You're listening to Video Monsters, a weekly podcast. Uh, well, uh, mostly weekly. Sometimes more, sometimes less. <sighs> All right, fine. A mostly weekly podcast of Creatures Talking Features with your hosts, Nathan Simmons and Eric Harris. Video Monsters is brought to you by the Chattanooga Film Festival and Central Cinema in Knoxville, Tennessee. Follow them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, or online at chatfilmfest.org and centralcinema865.com. And links for each of these can also be found on our pages, so be sure to follow us at Video Monster Pod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. Hello and welcome to another episode of Video Monsters, where we take movies seriously, just not ourselves. I'm Nathan. And I'm Eric. And I'm Dan. And tonight we are continuing on with Eric's Life Sucks and Nothing Matters birthday theme. But it's not what it's called, Nathan, and you know it. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> <laughs> the actual name of your theme is way better, but I, I just love the look on your face whenever I say the, the, uh, the theme for this month is <laughs> Life Sucks and Nothing Matters. Happy birthday. That's true. Um, so I, I'm really mad at myself because I didn't actually say the theme out loud on our Truman Show episode, and I was like really excited for the dramatic reveal. Um, so for anybody who has not listened to the previous episode, basically we're looking at it's I turned 30 this year. We're looking at films that are about um, existentialism or like as Nathan put it, quarter life crises. So uh, because of the fact that. Uh, I'm 30 and I'm pondering my life in a way that I have not previously. Also, that means um, you're going to live to 120. So, you know, that's cool. Yeah, I know. That's, that's right. <laughs> not in Tennessee, you're not. Nope. <laughs> right now, you'll be uh, lucky Rubbing if you in, get to uh, 120 days uh, with the oh, man, HVAC is... system being cleaned. Got to clean those coils to save the kids. Our oh, politicians are fucking idiots. HVAC coils right now. That's a... Uh, Yep. Okay. So continue. Um, so yeah, I picked. I, I absolutely picked the. I picked the absolute worst time to do a series about like pondering your existence and your place in the universe because I'm just so f-ing angry at the way people are handling COVID in this state. But anyway, um, so the because this is video monsters and we always have to come up with punny podcast theme titles. Uh, the title of this month's theme is Existentialism. <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah, I, I've been like, I've literally like practiced saying that out loud to make sure that I said it correctly because it is so, <laughs> it's easy to fuck up. I love the fact that you're like, because we have to come up with these stupid names, but both Eric's existentialism and uh, the name that you have given our Halloween coverage, they're both really great names. Well, I appreciate it. Nathan, it really feels good to hear you like, like... What I don't even know how I don't even know what to call it right now because I'm so used to you just like bashing on me all the time. Like, well, the the main reason that I like the uh, name that you've given our Halloween series is because of all of the additions that I have now given to it. So yes, that entire sentence yes. is yes. now going to be <laughs> our Halloween series. Uh, which uh, hey, that starts like like next week. <laughs> I know, I know, it's crazy. Oh. Not quite. Well, I guess it actually it is next week because it is Tuesday and not. God, this this month just flew by, didn't it? Yep. My God. Now this episode might um, come out like the day before we start our Halloween coverage, but um, but yeah, yeah. So, All yeah. right, guys. So, um, what movie are we talking about today? 
Super quick, before you actually say what movie we're actually talking about, uh, just a super quick announcement that Knoxville Horror Film Fest uh, tickets are on sale and their RIP badges are selling out quick. So be sure to uh, to go to centralcinema865.com and, uh, and get your tickets. And we spent a, a fair amount of time on the last episode talking about how awesome Knoxville Horror Film Fest is, um, the, the lineup. They've already announced the first wave of films, or at least most of the films. There might still be a few more that they have to announce. And that they are taking COVID and precautions incredibly seriously. So, uh, yeah, I don't feel safe like walking outside, but I actually feel safe going to Central Cinema to watch movies because they're requiring vaccination, proof of vaccination, and masks, and... Because they're doing the bare fucking minimum. I mean, not and not even like, okay, let me rephrase that. They're not doing the bare minimum. It's just that like, that is all that it takes. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's super easy. Barely an inconvenience. Super easy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, man. My super easy, barely an inconvenience uh, mask came in today. Oh, Very nice. Very excited oh. about that. Very it's, excited. It I, looks great, too. I, I need to get a poster and just hang that on the baby gate outside of my uh, office at work. So, um, yeah, no, like they're actually taking things seriously because it's not that hard to take a deadly pandemic seriously. And um, the, you would and, think. Well, <laughs> yep. Uh, so, yeah, I, I I actually feel safe going there. And I hope that uh, that it actually takes place because it's still... Oof, it's still two months away. There's still a possibility that uh, that things can happen. Obviously, if anything does happen, we'll be sure to keep everyone posted. And uh, yeah, all right. H- had to at least mention that. All right, so Eric, tell us about the movie that we were actually talking about. Yep. Uh, we were talking about The Last Picture Show, which is a film that obviously takes place after a pandemic has ravaged the mm-hmm. United States of America because uh, this place that they live in is a ghost town. Uh, this, that's one of the things that actually, I'm, I don't mean to jump directly into this, but since you said it, it made me think like Last Picture Show totally could be a post-apocalypse film. I just have to say that's the movie we were talking about. Did we mention that already? You know, God, I don't even know. It's the last podcast show that we're doing, apparently. <laughs> the last podcast show, yes. <laughs> um, yeah, man. Uh, so, last picture show. This is. Should I just jump into my prior information? No, you should give the uh, super um, quick review. Yeah, you, you got to. Yeah, you got to give the review. Let people know why is it worth seeing. Uh, last picture show is a 1971 coming of age film set in Anarene, Texas. Uh, did I say 1971? You did. Okay, but it's set in the 50s, because I thought I said 1951. I'm May, so fucking good at my job here on the podcast. You are, like, the best at words. Uh, yeah, man. Uh, it's so hard to, like, encapsulate this movie in a quick review, because so much of it is just... I, I think it's such a great mood piece. Sex and um, boredom it, is what this movie is. It's what? Sex and boredom. Sex and boredom, yeah. It's sex and... It's just, like, a uh, small town ennui. <laughs> Yeah, to a certain extent. It's just basically about um, it's the on, on, residents of this yes. small town on Weenus. On Weenus? Like on we, but then church. like Weenus, like a like a penis. Like like, yeah, a, okay. like a ween fine. Small town on Wiener. How about that? I still don't care. So much. Oh, because so, so much. Because like so the sex better. part like ennui oh like, okay yeah. yeah and pairing that with a wiener 
Gotcha. Yeah, Wiener would be would make. Isn't Weenus like supposedly? I've heard people say it's like the skin on your elbow or something. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't. I don't know. You, you do I see just, Wieners in this movie though, and you do see a couple of them. Yeah. 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 Yep. That's that's fun. Um, Randy Quaid is there. They're in black and white, so it's classy. <laughs> <laughs> there are a lot of classy wieners. <laughs> oh my god, yes. Okay, so uh, it's, it's, this the is la- a- it's the last Dick Chur show. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I deserve every bit of this. Okay. Um, yeah, last picture show. It is a. <laughs> I can't even. I'm not going to be able to get through this. Uh, small town Texas, a bunch of teenagers. They life sucks because everything is closed. The only thing they can do is go watch movies and f- around. And uh, all the adults are are bored, and they have sex with each other and have affairs. And <laughs> I was say, don't forget the billiard hall because that place is happening. The billiard hall that that Sunny literally has to t- do have a second job to pay for. <laughs> yep. So, uh, do you understand now why I told you to watch Passions after Truman Show? Like that would have been a perfect lead up to Last Picture Show with just uh, benching some soap operas because that's what this is. Th- this is a soap opera, but in, like classy, the, in, in, in black and white. An alternate title for this movie could be Dispassions because <laughs> everything is about trying to find passion, but but like going through the motions in a very dispassionate way because life sucks and you're just so unfeeling and you're doing whatever you can to feel something. Uh, yeah, so this is definitely like a big, nice, like fun movie that I picked out for this episode. I'm really, uh, my goal was to class up the podcast a little bit. I'm not going to lie. Like with black and white wieners with some black. And white wieners. God, I love that. This is where this is going. Uh, did I, did I do a good, did I, did, did I do a good review guys? I don't even know. I need some feedback here. Is this directed by Peter hog Donovich? <laughs> Because hogs are another word for wieners. <laughs> this uh, I, I've been told that before. I guess. All right, guys. Um, yeah, that's my review. Last picture show, Man. great movie. It's the kind of movie that I think is is it's pretty bleak, but also like really beautiful. And it's like such a like it makes me think of how Roger Ebert talks about film as a machine empathy about how like the the great contribution of cinema as an art form is that it is the best vehicle to empathize with other human beings and to connect with other people and i think that last picture show really exemplifies that perfectly um yeah well it it definitely it definitely captured the mood of the post-vietnam early 70s Mm -hmm. even though it takes place in pre-war 1950s yeah um yeah it you know nobody's happy nothing see everything seems meaningless mm-hmm. there's you know even those quote unquote with a future don't really have a future yeah i mean you know your your big thing is i'm gonna move to san antonio or texas i mean or uh dallas and that's yeah to go work a menial job there that's yeah, the, and that and that is getting out. They're all trying to get to Wichita, which the entire <laughs> movie I could not stop thinking about Ice Harvest with the uh as Wichita uh, Falls, so falls yeah. Wichita Falls. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's right, that's right. Man, I didn't even think about that. 
I kept thinking of Kansas. I'm like, why do they want to go to Kansas? Because <laughs> they kept saying just Wichita instead of Wichita Falls. And right. I think Wichita. at one point they, they, they throw falls in there. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. And that's one of the things that I love about that quote in Ice Harvest is like, there's nothing connecting the two of them other than just the fact right. that they both have Wichita. Anyways, not what we're talking about. <laughs> we're talking about Last Picture Show. So, Eric, since yes. this was one of your picks for your Eric's existentialism, Life Sucks and Nothing Matters, uh, Happy Birthday Month. Yes. Um, do you recommend that people watch the Last Picture Show? Uh, absolutely, yeah. I think it's it's kind of a hard movie to recommend because it is very much like a uh, it's a sad movie. It's the sad picture show. Um, but I also think it's just so beautiful and moving and true to life. And, you know, I mean, I think you do have to be kind of into like, you know, criterion style movies or whatever. That's a very reductive way of saying that. Like, I think you have to be kind of into artsier films. You can't, this isn't the kind of movie that really has like, a lot of big dramatic moments. Um, what's in- actually really interesting about this movie is that most of the most dramatic things happen off screen. And it's more about the characters kind of reacting to those situations and, and dealing with the fallout of them, which I think is so fascinating and, and really like roots the film in the characters more so than the situation. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's just such a beautiful mood piece. If you, if you like to just escape, <laughs> It's not the kind of movie that I would call an escape because oh, it's not God, the kind no. of place you would want to escape to, but it is the kind of movie that you get like just enveloped in. Like this place feels so authentic, um, and it feels like it. You know the what's weird about it is like whenever you see this town, it feels like nobody lives there at all. Um, and it, as someone who grew up in a small town. <clears throat> Like, it feels so true to life, even though the town that I lived in is not nearly as small as Anarene, Texas. But it's like, it almost feels like it's abstracted so much to the point that it really hits home, like, all of the the base emotions that you feel and the frustrations that you feel uh, from living in a small town. And just, like, understanding why kids rebel and why adults why adults cheat on each other and I, I don't know it's just it's so fascinating well it's, it's funny because you say how it's a small town and it feels so barren and bogdanovich purposely like usually when there's movies about small towns there's scenes of kids driving through the town yeah I mean, even in something like dazed and confused which is also you know it's austin so it's bigger but it's still you know texas yeah there are scenes of kids driving through town and seeing stuff this that doesn't happen. Yeah, they're like hanging out and they're party and they're having a good time. And in this movie, they don't really like they their idea of a party is like yeah. we're gonna go skinny dipping in this pool over here. And but, e- but even when they go there, you don't like watch them go there, right? And it doesn't feel like anybody's really. <laughs> Although like, you do watch fun. them get naked. Yeah, and by them, like, I mean Sybil Shepherd. When Timothy yeah. Bottoms goes to you know uh, have some friendly time with Chorus Leachman. All you ever see is like him pulling into the driveway, or you, you know, don't see him pulling out past. of the driveway. It's never, yeah, you never see him driving there, or you you get no real. I mean, I know this will be a complaint at a certain point, but there's no sense of time for this film. There's also really no sense of distance. Yeah, because, it works so yeah. beautifully because this yeah. movie is about how this town has its own gravitational pull, yeah. and it's like displaced in time and. 
and mm-hmm. everything just bleeds together. Yeah, I think that's. Uh, it feels very purposeful to me. Mm-hmm. Also, it's really fascinating too. Purposeful and good aren't always the same up, thing. Grew up in New York City of all places. Like Texas mm-hmm. is literally another planet to him. So it feels so. It's so crazy that it, he made this place feel so authentic. Like it feels like he had to have grown up here. And I, I, I assume part of that too is just Larry McMurtry. Well, did you hear the story of how of how he first got introduced to it, to this? Uh, I, through. Uh, Salminio, of all people. Yeah, through Salminio, that's what it is. Yeah. Salminio wanted to play this, but the first time he ever heard about this, he saw the book at like a grocery store checkout. Yeah, he's like, "Oh, Last Picture Show, that sounds interesting." He looked, flipped it over, and was like, "Oh, it's kids in small town Texas. Never mind." And yeah, <laughs> he was like a he was like a big uh, he was a film critic at the time yeah. that he he found this, and he or he's like an essayist, I guess, even more so than a critic. And he spent most of his time like interviewing people like Orson Welles and John Ford and mm-hmm. and uh, and so yeah, like he was just obsessed with movies at this point. And uh, it is funny that, to think that like, ooh, picture show, I want to watch that. I love movies. And then it's like, ah, oh, that small town Texas. <laughs> small towns. I hate small towns. Um, ah, uh, yeah. There, there are things that I want to say. Um, so. I'll, I'll give a little bit of my prior information because I feel like this is going to shape how how I felt about the movie versus how you felt about it, Eric. Because, like, again, mm. part of the reason that you picked this was because this entire theme is movies that you saw in your 20s uh, yeah. that, that you loved and going back to make sure that, like, you weren't completely off base and that you did actually like good movies in your 20s and that you continue okay. to like them in your 30s. And actually, I like I saw this movie when I was in when I moved away from home for the first time, which kind of I saw when I moved from Cleveland, Tennessee to Johnson City, Tennessee. And I I remember, like, we were so poor that we couldn't ever really rent movies. So I would just go to the library. And it was awesome because the library had movies unlike the library that we actually have a pretty good library now. But before I moved away, (laughs) you didn't really have a good selection. But like there were so many movies that I wanted to watch. And this was one of the first ones that I you know checked out from the library and it just like it feels like it totally opened my eyes to a whole new world of cinema because i finally had access to these movies because this is still like before you could find everything streaming somewhere um so yeah it was uh it reminds me a lot of like me leaving home and becoming independent for like the first time in my life and uh and yeah i just remember it's so weird because watching it this time i didn't remember hardly anything about the movie it, it felt pretty new to me, but I, the only thing I remember is just the feeling I had watching it for the first time, just being totally blown away by the power of cinema or whatever, you know, <laughs> you know, all of that early 20s pretentiousness. Um, exactly. Exactly. So anyway, first off, on, I, I love I that you threw in a little PSA about why uh, public libraries are important and also why physical media is important. So yeah. I have you, city public library. I have zero prior information with this movie. Uh, I, I think the only other Brogdanovich film that I've seen is Noises Off, and, and like that—that's it. Uh, as much as I oh, love you movies, need to watch Targets, dude. There's plenty of movies that I need to watch. As much as I you love, need to watch Mask. I need to watch <laughs> d- all of them. Uh, so, as much as I love movies, and you know, as, as much as I just love cinema. I am one of the first people to admit just how many glaring blind spots there are in in my um in, in my catalog of movies that I've seen. However, 
I did own this movie. So <laughs> Eric, when you're like, all right, this is the next one they're watching. Uh, I, I went online to see if it was streaming anywhere. It's like, oh, great. It's not streaming anywhere. Wait, do I own it? And and yes, I did. Um, <laughs> which so funny. I, I, I love it when that happens. When I'm like, man, this movie's not available anywhere. Oh, wait, I already have Except it. Except right next to me. <laughs> Except literally... <laughs> <laughs> literally right next to me so uh so yeah like i i had no information going into it and even in our preparation for the episode or in preparation for um leading up to the episode you and dan like weren't talking about this movie at all oh yeah that was definitely okay. i did not want to uh i didn't want to put your expectations high because i knew there was a good chance that you might not enjoy this movie <laughs> well but you did talk about how much you love it uh i, I just i i had no idea what i was getting into so that's so fascinating i can't imagine I, like i was i was just could not wait to hear what you thought about it because like there's oh, no way to really prepare yourself for what this movie is you're gonna hear me talk about it um but, uh, but yeah, I, I feel like the context in which you enter into a movie really matters because, well, because it does like it sets those expectations. And so then, um, you know, even though movies are you know great on their own and should be judged on their own, for me, it's almost impossible to not judge a movie against did it meet those expectations and so it helps when there's no expectations to judge it against it's just there yeah yep it's just, it's just laying there like a like a broom on the sidewalk it's it's just laying there like um like like someone wanting to get to second base awkwardly let's start there with this movie much in the same way that all of the physical encounters in uh, in last picture show there's no good way to end this and they should have just stopped. Exactly. exactly. Perfect. Yes. Thank you, Nathan, for yes. landing that plane. Yes. Because, uh, no one in the movie lands the sex plane. No, 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 not at all. No, they need a sex plane. Fast. Uh, they need a sex. <laughs> They're just, <laughs> that's how the movie should have ended. There should have just been a plane that lands in the middle of the road there and everybody's like, hey, everybody, let's get on to the get on the sex plane. I mean, you've already got all the classy wieners. Just get on the sex plane. Okay. All right. We got to we got to move past this. This is bad. <laughs> so this is why we shouldn't podcast at 11 o'clock. This is exactly why we should uh, podcast in the middle of the night, because these episodes are so much more fun. Well, my prior with this is. I had, I was probably 23, I think, when the first AFI Top 100 film list came out, and I was working at Movie Gallery, Front Row Video, and I decided because I was, you know, I enjoyed cinema and film, uh, <laughs> that I was going to go through the top, every Top 100 film there that we had, and watch them all. And thankfully, the bottom, this is like 97, I think it was 95. It's first. Oh, 95. On the list. It, it, it just recently moved down. So, yeah, there was like Ben-Hur and Yankee Doodle Dandy. Uh, Toy Story was right up on there. Um, so Another favorite it, of mine. It was one of the favorite. It was one of the first ones on the list for me to get to. Um, OK, hold on. I need to pause for a second. Yankee Doodle Dandy. Yeah. Are you fucking kidding me right now? No. That was that was that like movie. Number, that was like number ninety eight or something, 
I don't know if it's just important to film history or whatever, but that movie is not good. No, even by musical standards from that time. It's, it's terrible. Okay, anyway, go on. Sorry, just no, no, no. Mind. It's 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 worth it uh, to to get upset about that <laughs> conclusion. Um, I do not believe that made subsequent subsequent lists. Uh, so yeah, it was. This was me creating like two bays of movies on the wall of the top AFI top one hundred list. Get, we had little stickers to put on them to you know help rent them out. And this was me going. I'm gonna I'm gonna watch this because this is this is art. This is important. Uh, <laughs> this means you know, something. Total pretension. Total pretension at the time. Oh, yeah. Because, man, I was watching movies at that time that I gave zero fucks about actually watching. But the completest in me had to watch the top 100. Had to. Um, I could yep. not because a lot, this was also when I first learned that shit went out of print. Because I was like, how... This just got named to an important list. How is this out of print? Why can't we get this VHS? Um, God, I forgot Titanic made the list too. God damn. <laughs> I'm actually okay with that. Uh, I, that I am not. Uh, um, top 100 though. I mean, we're not going to get off on that tangent. Look, but look. look and Terminator 2 is never going to make the list, so Titanic's fine. Look, super, super uh, quick side tangent because we don't have time to go through all of that. There's, There are some movies that I absolutely adore door that do not belong on the top 100 list because it's like no matter how much i fucking love a movie it's like really top 100 eh, probably yeah, not i mean yeah i'm with you and and so titanic is one of those movies like yeah it's a great movie but like really really top 100 Titanic is an industry changing I, I event mean, and it is absurdly entertaining i mean and perfect it's I, i'm fine with it uh, <laughs> Okay. I'm, I'm actually more than fine. Anyway, go on, Dan. Yeah. So that, that was essentially all of my prior information on that film. It was, I have never heard of this, but this list says it's important, so I need to watch it. <laughs> um. So I did, and I enjoyed it. I, I really did. I, growing up in a town where you know, like my high school had less than 200 people, I get this film. I know what it's like to just. The one thing you have to do on a Friday night is to literally just drive between the Dexter Shoe Factory, you know, and the school and just do a continuous loop of that one mile all night long. Yep. Yeah. Our, our loop here was between McDonald's and Taco Bell. No shit. Uh, McDonald's no. and Crystal. That that was our loop. Dude, we just got a Dunkin Donuts in Milo about six years ago. There is no, there are no fast food joints in my hometown none jeez and the dunkin donuts is inside of the grocery store yes so, <laughs> can you, um, you can't even is there even a drive-thru or do you have to go into the grocery i store? mean you can there drive through drive the grocery store okay, but they had to cut a hole in the side I was gonna of say, the they, they at least cut a hole in the side of the <laughs> grocery store <laughs> yeah um but when i was in high school there was none of that we had like a pizza place that and you know convenience stores that made sandwiches and sold that you know under the heat lamp fried chicken that was it for the extent of anything to do in my hometown other than rent movies from the you know video store which is probably why i'm a movie nerd right um, pizza place sandwich place and video store was all the same building it was sports pizza and one, movie magic. At one at one point <laughs> yes it was <laughs> so i really identified with this just town where there is nothing to do except have sex 
you know, once you're old enough and someone's willing to say yes. That's all there is when you're not old enough. Yeah. Or when you're not old enough and someone's still willing to say yes. That's all there is to do. Or when you're not old enough and you have $2.50 or a buck 25. How much was it? How much was, uh, oh. uh, what's her name? Uh, what was her name? It was like Billy May or Sally Bill, uh, Billy Joe. Billy, man, eh, something. Sally May. Billy Bobby Joe. Sally May, but she wasn't like. <laughs> Billy Joe Bobby. She wasn't loaning them money. <laughs> oh, no, that's right. Sally May was the one fing everyone in America through student loans. That's right. Also, uh, yeah, exactly. Also, um, I just have to mention, uh, whenever they, at, before that scene, they're talking about a heifer, and I thought they were referring to her as the heifer, but apparently they were just actually talking about a cow. I just wanted to uh, clarify that for anybody who did not know. Because again, yeah. that's how minimal that town is. Yeah. Cows are the option. <laughs> so, <laughs> cows, are, cows are apparently a viable option. They're, yeah. <laughs> Anywho, uh, so, Dan, with, um, with watching this because it was on the top 100, uh-huh. at the time, did you agree with that? Do you feel like it deserved to be there? And then, more importantly, leading into the current conversation, how, how do you feel about it being on the top 100 now? Whether or not it actually is still there, but like feelings now about that. I'm okay with it being on, the, being on that list now and then. Um... It might not be landmark cinema, but I still think it's an important film, especially in that early 70s movement where they were moving away from the studios and kind of making these smaller, um, not necessarily independent films. But yeah, that was that was a small studio. I think it was BBS Studios. Yeah, it was BBS. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, I liked that it lent like an artistic sensibility to that, those early, that early independent film. Cause it wasn't just, Hey, we've got Peter Fonda, Jack Nicholson and Dennis Hopper, a camera and a couple motorcycles and a whole <laughs> lot of drugs. We're making a movie. Uh, <laughs> this felt like this was an actual <clears throat> movie movie, mm-hmm. you know? And I, I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that Bogdanovich, like you said, wrote about cinema. Um, he he seems honestly like a nice guy, but he also seems pretentious as f. And <laughs> yep. this movie Listen, feels- man, it's not an ascot; it's a bandana. Okay, yeah, it's not yeah. an ascot. Go 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 back to the fucking <laughs> mystery machine, Fred. Um, <laughs> it, it, and it feels like it was made by someone who felt like he was making important cinema. Yeah, but that doesn't take away from the fact that I think it is still a very good movie. I think he kind of achieved it to a certain extent. I mean, I do. Yeah, I think it's I think it's definitely it's interesting that he's never really found that level of success again. I mean, Paper Moon was good. I enjoyed Paper Moon. But other than Paper Moon, I I mentioned it before. I've seen Mask, which I would never have been able to tell you in a million years. That was a Peter Bogdanovich film (laughs) until I was like, oh, that's a Peter Bogdanovich film. Um and oddly enough, that is still my favorite Peter Bogdanovich film. But <laughs> Mask is Mask. I I grew up with the right really? Oh, yeah, nice. I love Mask. Um, there's a, especially the director's cut, which is better as usual. Um, <laughs> so it, it's interesting that he made it's he made such an important, interesting film, and then never really replicated that success again. 
Yeah, he's it's... still making, and he's still working today. You know. Yeah, um, I'm actually trying to remember any other Peter Bogdanovich films <laughs> off the top of my head, and the only thing I'm thinking of is Texasville, which is a movie I did not even know existed <laughs> until a few days ago. Exactly. I, te- I texted you guys, and I was like, "There's a fucking sequel to the Last Picture Show." Yeah. I've never seen it. I've never really felt even motivated to see see it, even though he directs it and it brings back a large chunk of the cast. Yeah, it's like but, almost the whole cast, including Timothy co- Bottoms, which is crazy because he apparently didn't enjoy the making <laughs> of this movie at all. The cover of it, though, looks like a Hallmark original movie. Like it, it does look very. Looks it feels like it's terrible. Very like '90s romantic drama kind of thing it is it feels like a very different style of movie um it looks like it was based off of a fabio movie i have never seen targets i that's one of those ones i really want to see but i've never been able to like ever come across a copy of it targets is excellent i watched it via turner classic movies i think um because honestly it sounds like an ed wood premise like i mean we we just happen to have some footage of fucking um not it's not Lugosi, it's uh uh it's a uh, uh geez if i if you hadn't said anything about it it's uh yeah boris karloff yeah <laughs> karloff yeah <laughs> yeah basically they like uh corman was like hey do you want to make a film because peter bogdanovich worked doing second unit for some motorcycle gang movie that he made and uh i can't remember the name of it but um he was like hey you want to make a movie uh, I've got Boris Karloff owes me like two days of work. You can have him to make your movie, and you also just have to put the terror in there somewhere. And the the amount of like incredible like what Bogdanovich does with that those like limited like very limited resources and like those very strict directives from Roger Corman is pretty remarkable. I think it's a it's an excellent movie uh, for you know a B picture. <laughs> uh anyway yeah last picture so show so i i think this movie it's i feel like it's kind of hard to watch this movie today and understand the kind of impact that it had at the time like this movie was pretty sensate like it went on to win all these oscars and it was like roger ebert's big like favorite film of the year and i think a lot of it too is like it's a movie that feels like it would have been made in the 50s if it wasn't for the production code you know what mm-hmm. i mean like it feels like it yeah. is very much a 50s film but it's also doing a lot of innovative stuff like one of the things that i really like about this movie is that it uses like the soundtrack for the film is excellent with all the hank williams music mm-hmm. and it's always diegetic and that was not something yeah. that had ever really been done before and now that's the kind of thing that like 90 percent of movies out there do it's like the you know mm-hmm. most people credit people you know like quentin tarantino or whatever or, or george lucas for and uh uh, American, American graffiti. graffiti but like it really started with with this movie um yeah, there's and there's no score whatsoever behind it yeah there's it's no score at all always just the music um and yeah i mean this is still like the early 70s so this is still at a point where mm, i think the frankness of this movie was probably pretty shocking at the time and very like surprising and really kind of bowled people over <laughs> Um, especially because it's a movie that is actually filled with, I don't think anybody was, I think Sybil Shepard maybe what it was like 19 mm. when she made this movie or something. So like, it actually is starring teenagers for the most part. And 
I don't know. There's something about it that like the movie is about transgression and also feels pretty transgressive for its time. I think that it's I mean, again, it's it's very frank and just kind of to the point, but I don't I think it's kind of lost its power to be shocking. Yeah. Um, Modern audiences would not be shocked by this film at all. Yeah. It, it makes me th- one of the things I kept thinking about was like <clears throat> um, Nathan and I watched Rebel Without a Cause. Mm-hmm. last year truth and we talked about it a little bit huh i said truth we did truth yes rebel without a cause last year and it just made me think like imagine if rebel without a cause could have been made in the 70s like or at least made under the permissive more mm-hmm. permissive studio system of or outside of the studio system of the 70s like rebel without a cause is a great film that's all about teenage angst and everything but like, also they call each other. What, what's the insult that they use in the movie? That's hilarious. They call each other like, oh, f- this is. Gonna, I, I this cannot is, even remotely remember. Dude, I cannot. Do, do you know how many movies I've seen since then? It's absolutely laughable when they insult each other. It's it's it. yeah. It's like the kind of thing where in this movie they call each other like a piece of shit or whatever. But in Rebel Without a Cause, it's like yeah, you fart head or something stupid. Like, it's Man. so bad and it really takes away. From the power of that movie a little bit. And the last picture show is like, this is that kind of movie, but we're actually going to show you what it would be like in real life. Yeah, we're um, actually we're actually gonna have a kid with developmental disabilities get laid from a town prostitute. Yeah. Um and it's and instead in Rebel Without a Cause, you get the uh only uh, non-white person murdered by the police at the end. Yep. Um, all right, so we're. I feel like we're all over the place right now. I want to start with. The, <laughs> what I do you mean start? We're already well over half an hour <laughs> into this. We are not starting. We. I know. We are in the thick of this. Um, I know. I feel like we haven't really started talking about it. Oh no, we've we have been talking all about a lot of things because a lot of the stuff that you and Dan have already been bringing up are some of the things that I want to mention uh, or, or that I want to talk a little bit about in my analysis, but I want I to like respond a bit to them rather than gotcha. uh, <clears throat> rather than bring them up now. Yeah, let's. Um, it's kind of hard to get your hands around this movie because so much of it is so like experiential and. T- and- tangential you know what i mean like it's just again it's just people running around and seeing each other and running into each other and just like making poor decisions that you but you kind of understand why they're making those decisions um but let's start with the performances i think that's kind of like the key to everything in this movie why everything works so well is because this movie has an outstanding cast and everybody is just just knocking it out of the park in this movie um, it's pretty famous for being a film that had four different people nominated in the best supporting actor and actress categories with, uh, Jeff Bridges and Ellen Burstyn. No, they're not the one Jeff Bridges and, uh, Ben Johnson and then Ellen Burstyn and Cloris Leachman. And then of course, Ben Johnson and Leachman won the Oscars. Um, As but yeah, I mean, have. I, I think that's really what sells the movie. Like this movie is just so character based and you genuinely love all of these people, even though they're all like pretty horrible to one another at one point or another. Um, but I think it's just, again, like, I don't even know where to start. Who should we start with? Do, Timothy Bottom. Do, uh, Timothy do you genuinely basically the, love these people? 
I do. I think that they are people. They're they're people that I at least empathize with or sympathize with at the they're, very oh, least. They're like products, they're products of their environment. I mean, they exactly. Don't, I hate to use the phrase like they don't know any better, but my God, when the dating pool is literally three people, <laughs> you're bound to f- over a buddy at some point because of that. You know? Yeah, absolutely. And especially when the the Sybil Shepherd character just wants nothing more than to get out of this goddamn town and she's going to latch on to whoever is going to get her out of that town one way or another or at least make her life in that town as comfortable as possible yeah and she's like her character is one of the things that kind of bugs me is like Sybil Shepherd kind of gets it, she's like the one person in the cast who I think gets knocked around a little bit and people say that she's a bad actor I think that's absolute bullshit. I don't know if she is a bad actor or not, but either way, she's directed so well that, and the character, I think that even if she is giving a bad performance, it works beautifully with that character because most of what she is doing is performative. Like, yeah. she's yeah. she recognizes that she has a superpower in this town and it is her sexuality, that it's all of the men fawn over her and, you know, she's in a in a place where like her mother is constantly disapproving of her. And so she's lashing out against her mother and she's trying to like take control of her own destiny in some way. And she does that by getting all the, like making the boys fight over her and doing whatever her mother's side piece. (laughs) Sexy. Exactly. Yeah. I, I did not view their relationship as uh, the mother disapproving of everything that, um, that she did. I viewed their relationship as like, incredibly complex and the mother i feel like is one of the most fascinating characters in the movie because of the fact that she is so direct and so frank with her daughter and there's a lot of i fucked up i don't want you to do the same thing and so like the way that she is the, the, the things that she's saying to her i don't feel like the mother is saying i disapprove of your decisions it's I disapprove of my own decisions and where I am in life. And I see how I'm stuck and I don't want to be, I could have had this other life. I want better for you. And like, Oh God, JC's point of view. It's, it's my mom doesn't, doesn't trust me to make good decisions. She doesn't like my boyfriend. I don't like my boyfriend, but that doesn't matter because my mom doesn't like him. So I'm going to like him on top of that. How, how awesome was Ellen Burstyn in that role? Oh, she's. I. It kind of. Show I'm glad. Up. I'm glad Cloris Leachman won. I think Cloris Leachman is so incredible. Oh, she's heartbreaking. But yeah, Ellen Burstyn is also. Uh, they. Yeah, I hate that they had to compete against each other in this movie because Ellen Burstyn is wonderful. Um. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just gonna say. Like, I. I think that that is one of the one of the things that I love most about this movie is JC's relationship with her mom and how you can see how her mom trying to be overprotective of her ends up driving JC to do the very thing that her mom did when she was younger. And cool, so cool. and then it and, yeah. Clue Gulliger, yes. <laughs> and probably would have been probably Sam the Lion if he had, you know, survived long enough. Nah, I don't think that he Sam would've... Sam wouldn't have wouldn't have done it, but JC <laughs> JC would have seen it as a a challenge, maybe. But I also love too, like one thing. One of the things with about this movie that I think is so great is that 
the movie never really condemns her for it. Like, I think a worse movie, especially a movie made in the 70s, would have made it out to be like, oh, she's, you know, ruining her body and she's not saving herself for marriage or whatever. You know, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like this movie never really judges any of the characters for anything. It's just very observational. And, and and not even that that doesn't judge them, but it just feels sorry for them. It just wants you to understand why people behave this way. And it's so it's so smart because like that is, you know, when it comes to small towns like this, the the big thing is like in small town, it's all about the gossip. And there are so many secrets, but all of them are open secrets. And this movie is just tackles that so well and like gets to the heart of that so well, where everybody knows that everybody's around with each other and they just don't ever bring it up until they are pissed off about something else and need a release and want to beat the shit out of somebody else over it or whatever you know like which is incredibly small town thing when they're like when timothy bombs realizes everyone knew and yeah like yeah of course (laughs) everyone did it's funny too because like the audience knows even before he knows that like the audience knows that everyone knows before he knows that everyone knows (laughs) and like even like it's so funny too because like there people are even dropping hints to him about it early on like one of my favorite lines in the movie is like this town is too small to be carrying on and some people got a lot of guns it's like oh yeah (laughs) that is a perfect encapsulation of a small town Mm -hmm. (laughs) yep especially a small red state yep Oh man, there's so many so, like, and that's the other thing too. It's so hard to talk about this movie without just jumping around to so many different things, just like the movie does. It's just um, <laughs> so, well, here let's let's talk about that then. Um, this movie jumps around, mm-hmm. which is fine because you know, like both of you have mentioned, it is a very experiential movie not experimental but experiential like as you are watching this it's not about the cinematography it's not about the set pieces it's not about like big action scenes it's it's not about the sex like it is just about the people and experiencing their emotions and uh, and eric like you just said there's very little judgment it's more of just observational like even some of the characters yeah. that i hate the movie doesn't make me hate them I just hate them because of like, oh, I know someone exactly like that. And that person is just a royal douche. So I don't like them. The movie does not necessarily present them in a bad light. It's just this is who they are. One of the most empathetic characters is a 40 year old woman who's sleeping with a teenager who's in high school. Yeah. And you feel so sorry for her. And you even feel sorry for her when that relationship ends to a certain extent, like Mm -hmm. this thing that she latched onto is gone now from her and she has nothing else and she's you know carrying on in her bathrobe yeah, yeah. We're, why, we're gonna, why is she apologizing to him why is she apologizing to him yeah. we're, we're gonna come back to that because uh i hate the ending so um so, so you mind, Nathan. I, I hate the ending so much so here's the thing what? um I, I hate the ending okay. we'll get there so weird we'll get there <clears throat> <laughs> we better get there. Uh, the like you were just experiencing what these characters are experiencing, and so you know, like there doesn't necessarily have to be connections between this scene and the next scene. You don't need, you know, like uh, Dan earlier when you were talking about, you don't have a lot of the scenes of people driving back and forth. You don't have people just going through town. You don't there, need no that, establishing shots in this movie, right? You don't need other that other than Main Street, other than Main Street, other than Main Street, yeah, yeah, yeah. and that's just because I I assume. 
that was the back lot that they were filming on. Um, like, it's not a back lot. It's this is all on that's location, a real baby. It's <laughs> such a small town. Peter Peter Bogdanovich yeah. is uh, going with the uh, Hitchcock. Famously hates establishing shots and uh, only uses them as punctuation. And so Bogdanovich deliberately avoided doing that for the most part. <sighs> I don't. Uh, mm. I have yeah, a problem that's with something that. a man wearing an ascot would say. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, oh, God. All right, th- so there, there are two things that I want to talk about. Uh, one being that, and that'll transition back into the uh, the other point that I was making. I, from what little I've seen of Brogdanovich and from what little I've seen of his interviews, I think that he is incredibly talented at what he does. I also think his head is slightly stuck up his own ass. And... Yeah. And not necessarily like in a bad way, but just a, oh, well, Hitchcock never used establishing shots, so I'm not going to either. I think it's the, more just that he was mentored by these people. Like he kind of came out fully but, formed because he spent so much of his time just and, talking to directors. And, and that's fine. But here, here's part of my issue with it. And, and it's not like a major issue. It's not like, a, oh, man, I think that he's a terrible director. But just part of my like, I, I think that this maybe bleeds over a little bit into my overall feelings of the movie. For Hitchcock to never use establishing shots for very specific reasons, it's like, oh, man, that's such a Hitchcock thing to do. Like, you know, he's very intentionally like putting you into the movie. You don't know where the world is. So like that, it, it feels like something that Hitchcock is very intentional about what he's doing. Brogdanovich feels a little bit more like, oh, well, that's a thing that is part of what makes a great movie. So I'm going to take part of that and, and do some of that. And yes, maybe no, it's I, just because like, that's part of what he was, was formed in. And so then he is taking some of the skills and tricks that he learned and applying them to his own movies. But it feels, it feels like the difference between an artist who like is creating something in, entirely original in the sense that like it is coming from them. It might not necessarily be the most original art style it might not even be the most original in terms of what it looks like compared to uh to other pieces of art but like it is entirely coming from them versus someone else who is very very good at painting things and something like they- very john carpenter right now john carpenter <laughs> john carpenter like talking about peter bogdanovich is like oh we get it you like ford you like wells <laughs> That warms my heart that you just compared me to John Carpenter. So, like, and, and again, it's not that he's bad, and I'm not saying that as like a major critique, but um, I, I will so what give, you're saying. I will give is, you a snippet of how I feel about this movie. Okay, as much heart as this movie had, and as much as I was completely enthralled throughout, and like totally invested in these characters, something felt missing. It, it felt like there was something that that's a great movie that it was lacking that piece to elevate it to a masterpiece. It felt like there was something missing and uh, related to that. I hate the sense that or I hate the fact that there is no sense of time in this movie and not because of a that's because you're supposed to be lost in these characters lives and you're supposed to be lost in I fine. I get that, but. I don't feel like that's what happened for me, at least for me, it was, Hey, here's a scene. And then here's another scene that could very easily be the next day, except that person just said, Oh, remember that thing three months ago, there is nothing giving you any weight to 
how long the people are dealing with this. It, it, there's nothing that makes me feel any sense of time. And, and that bugs me. And um, like one of the only things is when he gets smacked in the eye with that uh, beer bottle and you see him healing. But even then it's like, all right, did this take place over like three days, a week, three months? Mm -hmm. How long has he been healing? There is no sense of time. And while I don't think that that matters a ton, it matters enough to me to have a better sense of like what kind of grief are they going through? You know, like very specifically talking about the well, end. I think it, <clears throat> I, okay, go ahead. It, so it, like, here's why it matters though. The end of the movie. And uh, I know that I said I was going to sit back and try to react at the end. But it's like, ah, I can't do that. I know me. No, go for it. The, the ending of the movie. There are I, no rules to this shit. I hate the ending of the movie because, um, uh, what's his name? Sonny did not deserve Cloris Leachman to come back to him. Like her, her monologue about like, no, you don't get this. Like, I don't, she didn't quite say it this harshly, but she just about said, I don't care that your friend just died. Like that doesn't give you any right to just come crawling back to me. Her monologue he literally says that. Doesn't no, no. Like, that's what I'm saying. Her monologue, the things that she's telling him, it's like, yes, this is, I love it. I loved that. Then he yeah, one take. Then he holds her hand and she like starts putting his hand up next to her face and like all is forgiven. It's like, no, no, I don't think that's the point of it at all. No, that's so I, cause that is not how I read that in at all. I oh, think it's, no, this I is read a movie that. that is, I read that as maybe, maybe not all is forgiven, but I totally read that as, yeah, they're going to get back together, maybe into another loveless relationship like everyone else. But I don't uh, be miserable eighty percent of the time, <laughs> according to same line. <laughs> I yes, they're miserable eighty percent of the time. Uh, I, I just I don't I don't like that she seemingly forgave him. He and, and again, like Sonny's a great character for the most part, and he is the main character that you were following. And he makes understandably bad decisions, very human decisions. And like, I'm on board with all of it. I'm on board with the heartbreak as the movie was progressing, as he was making some of his decisions, I was like, someone's going to die. Like, this is the kind of movie that if it was made, you know, anytime after 93, someone is going to die because the emotions are ramping up. And the only way to top it is to kill off someone. So I, I knew that was going to happen. I didn't know if it was going to be uh, Jeff Bridges in, in war or if it was going to be uh, his, his mentally handicapped friend. I didn't know, but I, I knew someone was not going to make it to the end of this movie. And like, even then I was like, yes, I'm, I'm okay with this. I am okay with how dark emotionally this movie is getting. Yeah. F that kid. And <laughs> that's not what I was saying. <laughs> I'm not saying that I'm glad that he died. I'm saying how the movie was going it is the kind of movie that I felt like needed to keep getting darker and darker. And, and it does. I, I, think, I think her forgiving him is fucking dark. It's because yeah. the only reason she's forgiving him is she has nothing else in this town. Yeah. I, I feel he, like he has, he has treated her awfully bad, but he, he's her option. There are no other yeah. men. There are no other men knocking on her door, her 
you know, as as we met, her husband is not of her persuasion. Um, so I He's think it's martial persuasion. I think it's incredibly dark that she forgives him, and because I, it just shows the lack of options in this town. And I also and, feel and, and like that's totally you... fine, but with no sense of time, how long has she been mourning? A day, a week, a month, all summer long, a year. Like yeah, she, her she entire life. During her entire life. No, but so. it doesn't matter because as soon as he shows back up, it seems like it was just yesterday. Well, and I love, but like that's, but that to me matters. Most of the other movie, uh, it bugged me, but I didn't care because like fine, whatever. It doesn't matter how how long of a gap there is between these things. But I feel like for for that specific scene to know where she was emotionally and why she forgave him and like i just there was no real sense of how long has this actually been going on and there's like some minor dialogue about um between jeff bridges and uh and timothy bottoms in terms of like uh in in terms of uh him being with uh jc awesome or yeah and so like there's some of that dialogue but I, i i just don't feel it and and like that That's scene so well but like that scene is just the clearest picture of the entire movie for me in terms of it's great and powerful and like yeah i i felt it during that scene and the fact that like he wasn't saying anything and he was just looking at her it's like yeah what are you supposed to say to this and like it's a great scene and it is incredibly dark and it's awesome and hey wait a second how long has it i I just huh and and so like i don't see why that matters so much that's so like i i love that there's no real sense of time when you live in a small town every fucking day bleeds into the next and yes it does one shitty day after another and I, i think that it does give a really good sense because you see him avoiding her for quite a while like there are like four or five different scenes where he is trying not to see her when he's in the hospital saying like no i don't want to i tell her i'm asleep and whenever she's getting dressed up to for him to come over and then he ends up going off with jc instead and then yeah but they was go that over a weekend married. over a they month? literally go get married and then come back and then she leaves town like i feel like there's a really good sense that a lot of time has passed but even then like it also feels like it could be the next day and i think that's what's br- i think the movie's so beautifully edited and perfectly done where you you get the sense that time is moving on and that this the world is moving on past these people but they're still staying in the same place and then and then the ending too is so good because like she is i don't know if she's forgiving him like i think the movie is open-ended but also as dan said too like it's so dark because like she she gives this huge big emotional speech and you're totally on her side and you totally get it but you also like just just the the touch of his hand feeling his warmth and like feeling any kind of connection to another person immediately has her melt back down and she's just like her her other option is to stay mad and be lonely forever right right yeah and but, I, I think that's just such a perfect ending and, and again movie. like it, all of the things that you are saying i do not disagree with like you're not wrong however for me, I felt like there was a, tr- I, I felt like there was a lack of true sense of time. There's, 
like yeah sure the scenes that you mentioned give you some sense of what all is going on but it could be the next day it could be six months later and mm-hmm. and without some of that sense of time i just feel like it's lacking in the same way that like watching the movie i i i did feel like i had a good sense of their relationship however you don't actually see that much and so like and, and, and I'm not saying that you necessarily need to see that much of, uh, of their relationship, but at the same time, to have a better understanding of why Cloris Leachman, um, why she forgives him so easily, I feel like I needed a better sense of what was their relationship, because it felt like... She, was, she, she put blue wallpaper up, sure. because his favorite color is blue. Sure. What like more that, do you need? That's the thing yeah, is... That, 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 it's because the movie's in black and white, isn't it, Nathan? You can't see the blue. That takes time to put up wallpaper. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's I, a bitch. What I'm, what I'm saying with that is that, okay, that's not a time thing. This is another <laughs> example of how I feel this movie is great, but lacking. I don't feel like I actually had a true sense of, like, their relationship. You know, like... Um, the, the only, the only way that I feel like, um, there's any sense of, yeah, he had a good thing with Ruth. Why did he give that up? Was because like four or five people kept telling him and it's just like, I don't think they had a sense of what their relationship is. Yeah. Well, you know, and and again, like, I think that that's fine. And during the movie, there's a scene that I think illustrates it perfectly for me. And it's the, the scene where they first sleep together is so good because you know, they start off like very uncertain about what they're about to do. And they're getting dressed and opposite undressed in opposite corners of the room. And it's very it's very clinical. It's like we're just doing this. And then they get into the bed and they undress under the covers and they it's over in like, you know, a minute. And she starts crying and she's like, oh, I'm sorry I cried. But like the sex is just a means to an end. Like it feels like the only reason they have sex is so they could have something to connect over like you know what i mean like it wasn't it wasn't like they're having sex because they're passionate about each other it's like once they it's like after they had sex then they're like oh wow we just did that and then they become more intimate with each other afterward because they're like oh wow we did it this is actually this is cool we have a secret to share we have something between us that is just for us right and and you do get everything that you need like that initial scene absolutely sets the groundwork for the rest Mm. of their relationship um when um uh, when, what's her name when simple shepherd's mom is saying oh it's a good thing that uh that we got you away from jc as soon as possible because you know <laughs> you weren't going to be happy with her but you sure mm-hmm. could have been happy with ruth why'd you leave her anyways and he was like well because she wasn't as hot like you get all of the pieces i'm not saying mm. that there's not enough information there to be able to fill in the gaps like i do think that it's there okay what I'm saying is, again, I feel like this is a great movie that there's something that it's hard for me to put my finger on about why I feel like there's just something lacking. You know, again, like talking about the um, there not being a sense of time is an example of trying to figure out like, I was, is, is that it? Is it just that like, I don't know how long it's taking? That, I mean, that doesn't matter, though, because when I was watching it, I was on board and I loved it, but there's just i i i don't know it's hard to like really place 
what exactly I'm trying to say with that. Because again, I do feel a very specific talking about the relationship. I feel like you have all of the pieces. Okay. But it's also true that I don't feel like I really had a sense of their relationship because that wasn't the focus of the movie. And that's fine. Like it's fine that that wasn't the focus of the movie, but then it makes it a little bit harder for me to fully be on board with that ending scene with her monologue and with um with her forgiving him like there because some of that stuff is lacking it's just a little bit hard for me to be like yes this is the ending that this movie needed it was like i i i no he he was kind of a dick like understandably so again he he is a very relatable character yeah i was gonna say like i kind of relate to that because i'm the kind of person who avoids conflict wherever i can and awkward conversations and he's obviously not very much of a conversationalist (laughs) um you know he doesn't really know how to express himself in any way and so he he just avoids it wherever he can and even like even like with him and Dwayne, you get that too where he is this is his best friend in the world and he still like has such a hard time talking to him about jc whenever they start seeing each other he's like very bashful it almost it's almost like he is like he's so afraid of Dwayne being disapproving of of that relationship and he just yeah and like yeah, when, he, know, when he finally yeah. does step up and say like well what if I was with her like you see a turning point in him here is he gets his face bashed and then he gets his face bashed in here's one of the things oh, that I think that all three of us can relate to and is a pretty, so good. It, it, a pretty important piece about this movie this movie is incredibly relatable living in a small town. Like um, I, I was a little bit shocked, but also not even remotely shocked about how many of the things that were said are things that I have heard like in the last few months, like uh, when mm-hmm. the coach said, Oh, can you take my wife to the doctor? Women always something wrong with them. It's like, God damn it. I have heard someone say that recently. Yeah. And like all of the terrible things that are being said, it's just like, I, yep, these are the things that we hear, you know, like uh, earlier in this episode when you were talking about uh, like small town gossip and like everyone knows, but no one says anything until it can be weaponized. Absolutely. (laughs) Like that is small town gossip is everyone knows. Like if if you have ever been to the South, I assume you probably have some of this up North uh, with this very specific phrase, Dan, but if you have ever been to a church in the South and uh, a woman tells you, um, or if a woman is talking about someone and says, Oh, bless their hearts. Like you're about to get some like prime gossip. (laughs) Just, Oh, bless their hearts. Did you hear that? They were back on the crack. Just, Oh God bless their hearts. Did you hear that? They were like, you know, when someone says God bless their hearts, they're about to talk some serious smack. One of the things that I related to the most, too, about this as it concerns a small town, and I can't believe we haven't mentioned him yet, um, Ben Johnson's Sam the Lion. Yeah. Yeah. Every small town has that one, like, almost, the patriarch, almost. Like, who, without him, the town begins to fall apart. <laughs> More so than it already he is. Owns, yeah, he owns the pool hall. He owns the picture show. He Which owns are the, the only three places that are even open on they're like yeah. so many buildings but they're just those three places and they're not even like next to each other yeah and, but like you said yeah those those are the hubs of the town if 
if you're going to do anything in those three in that town, it's one of those three spots. Yeah. Yeah. And and as soon as he dies, they all, you know, um, Christ, uh, Tim Bottoms' character, I'm forgetting Sunny. his name right at the moment. Sonny, not doing a great job running the pool hall. Um, the woman can't, just physically can't run the picture show, so it's it's running out of town. This, so is, this is a movie made, theater that doesn't even have popcorn. That's how sad this place yeah. is. Can't even get yeah. popcorn. Um, but it's, you know, this is the death of the small town, is, yeah. is Sam the Lion. When his character dies, everything starts to go over the cliff at this point. And yeah. that is very small town, because there's always one family or one person in these small towns who seemingly own, own everything, even if they're not necessarily rich. They've, their families have been in this town long enough that they're established with these places. Yeah, yeah. and even if it's not and like a financial grounding, it's the it, it seems like everyone went to Sam for advice, you know, like yeah. when... Yeah. Uh, when he sort of like banished those other uh, oh, yeah. teens from from the pool hall, it felt like they were being excommunicated from oh, the center he, of town. He that uh, was the one thing, yeah. He like really obliterates these up. kids without yeah. raising his voice at all. Like, yeah. like whenever he says that at the very end, whenever he says like you didn't have the decency to wash his face, like you can just sense the immense like. I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. I'm not mad. I'm disappointed. And that is <laughs> yeah. so much worse than if he was actually mad. Yeah. And like and the it, kids are just so upset. And of course, because so like bad that Jeff Bridges is pretending to be asleep in the car. So yeah. He doesn't have to deal with it <laughs> because he's the jock. And that's what he, you know, he's, yeah. his whole thing is he, even, well, what's all, man, the, the other thing about this movie that's amazing is like this, this town is so pathetic that even the jocks are losers. Oh man! Yeah, if, you're the, not, if you're not the backfield, <laughs> I love that. Like this movie, the, one of the ways that they show you just like how sad this place is is the adults are constantly reminding the kids of their failures. Like right from the opening scene, like first uh, line of the movie, you ain't Dwayne, ever gonna amount to nothing. Is the first line. Of yeah, movie. like like Dwayne and Sonny are like whenever they're going to take the change over to the diner, they're just tossing the thing around. Just having a good time. They literally can't just walk across the street without some two old assholes being like, oh, I wish you guys could toss a pigskin around. Because, like, again, <laughs> like, there's like nothing everyone's else. like, have these... you heard of tackling? Like, yeah. Yeah. It's like there's nothing else for these people to hang their hopes and dreams on. It's like ev- they put everything on these kids because these kids are the only future that is that is there. It's their only source of anything remotely interesting. So and. It's so sad, and it, and it and like it, it makes everything that happens with them feel so inevitable. Like, of course, Dwayne, even though like he could have you know gotten out of there or whatever, he ends up going to fight in Korea and becoming a or becoming a roughneck and then going to fight in Korea. And of course, Sonny just takes over the pool hall. And of course, JC got lucky because she just had parents who were able to get her out of there. Yeah. So two things. Thing number one. Um, yeah, that opening scene of the movie with all of the football talk absolutely sets the groundwork for this movie, and I love it, and I love how all of the adults are just like, you ever heard of tackling? Uh, and you get one of my favorite lines in the entire movie, team wasn't worth a kiss my ass this year, <laughs> which is just, it's so dumb. Well, how, many, how many players do you think they even field? Like, <laughs> it's not like, how many, like whenever you see like the graduating class of the high school, it's like, yeah. 15 20 people maybe yeah so they probably have like 
20 people tops playing and yeah. most well, and, of them are probably like 14 and 15 and 16 and like <laughs> small town like being super invested in high school football mm-hmm. is a thing well, of course yeah and, that's, that's oh, the yeah. most texas thing ever well, and and here's one of the things though and this this comes back to a little bit of my uh, it's hard to exactly place why i'm not like blown away by this movie i love it but i'm not blown away by it so much of this movie was relatable so much of this movie i was like yep i know those people yep i know that situation yep it feels like this movie was made last week here in town and not uh set in the 50s in texas like so much about this movie feels so incredibly relatable and and i think part of what helps that is the fact that it was filmed in black and white it does give it kind of more of that timeless feel it makes it easier to to not just like uh you know pigeonhole it straight into like oh well that was made in the 70s or whatever but here's one of my issues with it and 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 again like part of why i just feel like there's something lacking i feel like a lot of this movie i was filling in some of the gaps with my with with my understanding of my experiences with small town. And I know that you're going to get that in, in, in any movie. Like I know whatever you watch, of course you're going to put your own experiences into it. You're going to fill in some of those gaps with how you feel about things. I mean, like Eric, you and I have talked about one of the most perfect scenes in all of cinema in jaws. When, um, when uh, Roy Scheider is like just, just sad and he sees his kid copying what he's doing and he has to like instantly change how he's feeling that movie hits so much harder after having kids and so of course you're going to put your own experiences into it mm-hmm. however i feel like that scene in jaws is going to be a perfect scene even for someone who does not have kids i feel like there are parts of last picture show that work because you know they're universal human experiences of loneliness and you know it's a coming of age story which is incredibly universal and there's so much about this Mm. movie that is universal but i feel like part of what makes this movie just like yep this movie is awesome is how much it captures small town and if you've not lived it i i just don't know how this movie would actually play for someone that has no context for any of this. I mean, even with uh, Dan, your story about the very beginning of um, when he saw, when Brogdanovich saw the book in a supermarket, he's like, Oh, that looks interesting. Oh, small town. And he puts it back. Mm. Like, I, I don't know. Like there's just something. And maybe it's that, like maybe it's that disconnect of like, because this was not some of Brogdanovich's experiences. It was harder to like really infuse that heart. The author was involved in the writing of it. So there still is a ton of heart in this movie. And again, I do think that it is an amazing movie that's lacking something and it's hard to place exactly what it is. It feels like, I mean, part of it, part of what you're saying is kind of what I love about it. Cause it is a movie I can kind of pour myself into um, that. It is a movie that is so relatable to me. And, and ultimately like what, what works for me is just that I, I'm interested in these characters and I feel for them and I want, I'm rooting for them. And I'm even though I know that even though like the ending of this thing feels inevitable or whatever, it's still like, I'm still just like totally invested in everything that's going on. But like, it also feels very, it feels very personal to me. Like this movie feels like the people involved were really deeply invested in it. And I don't know if that's just because I've been, I like, I listened to the Turner classic movies podcast talking about Bogdanovich and they were talking about how like 
there were so many things in his life at the time that were basically mimicking what was going on in this movie. Like, uh, Peter Bogdanovich was married to Polly Platt at the time, and she, like, helped him. She's credited as the production designer, but she did, like, pretty much everything behind the scenes along with him, including casting Sybil Shepard, who uh, then, like, had a fling with Jeff Bridges, and then Jeff Bridges went away for a week, and while Jeff Bridges was gone... Sybil Shepard fell in love with Peter. Sybil uh, Shepard and Peter Bogdanovich fell in love with each other, had an affair, and ruined his marriage. Art imitating and, life, man. And, yep. Which is like so much of what's going on in this movie. And also, Peter Bogdanovich's father died from a stroke during the making of this movie, and he had to leave to go to the funeral. And when he came back, the very first thing on the docket was Sam the Lion's funeral. Mm. So, like, it feels to me, and and again, maybe it's just because. I just know that those are parallels of with his real life. And, and and they're not exactly parallels that he, you know, it's not like this happened to him and then he later poured it into the movie intentionally. But I do think that, like, you get a sense of him in the film to a certain extent. Even if he didn't grow up in a small town, like, you still get the sense that he deeply cares about these people that he's putting on film i i think that relates to those experiences i think that that actually helped to clarify what part of my issue is and why things like not having a true sense of time actually bothers me in this movie all the things that you were just saying about like art imitating life and like he was having an affair and his dad died of a stroke and all of these things like yes those are those universal themes that do make this movie a great movie and these the themes are what um, what had me connected to this movie again, like as I was watching it, I was fully invested throughout the entire time. Like I, I, despite some of my critiques, I love this movie. It is a very solid movie that I absolutely recommend. It, it's a great movie. Um, and, and I did love it. It didn't help that I watched it incredibly late at night and I was very tired. And at one point I had to pause it to go rock my son for a while and so like when i felt like the movie surely was coming to a close i was an hour into the movie i was like oh my god how much is left of this movie in part because i just wanted to go to sleep and i knew that i wasn't gonna have time to watch it today (laughs) before we recorded uh so part of it was just the like all right come on hurry up movie just get to the end i i have to talk about you tomorrow so just just hurry up but i did i did love the movie and Mm. and it is great and all of those themes that are there are what make this such an incredibly solid movie. So it has the heart. It just, it, it feels like it's missing the connecting points. So like, yeah, Brogdanovich didn't grow up in small town. He had some of these experiences, so he was able to do the experiences well, but because some of those in-betweens are missing, it almost feels like an incomplete picture to me. It would be like <clears throat> going back to my example of, you know, like someone who's a painter, it would be like some, what? Uh, no, it'd be like, um, uh, uh, Oh shit. What's the comic book artist that can't draw feet and like draws way too many. Yes. It's like Rob Liefeld <laughs> who regardless of how you feel about his overall, overall art style, you know, two things with, uh, with his art. Number one pockets, Pockets on every damn thing. Pockets and pockets and pockets. Infinite pockets. But the other thing, he cannot draw feet. So, like, feet are always hidden behind boulders or behind bodies or, like, there's just there's just no feet. Regardless of how you feel about the overall uh, style, 
there's something missing. And that's kind of how I feel about this movie. The themes are there. The, the quality of the film is there. The, uh, the importance and the uh, sort of pushing the envelope, especially for when it was made, is there. There's so much that's there. It's missing some of that connective tissue to really, for me, make it feel like, yes, this is complete. It, it's missing. And maybe it's just a garnish, you know, because I keep talking about food all the time. Maybe it's just a garnish and it doesn't matter. And why for you? You're like, I don't man that I don't care because it's so good even without that. But for me, it's like this piece is missing. It feels incomplete. That's not taking away from what is there and how great everything that's there is. But I feel like it's missing that connective tissue that I had to fill in those gaps with with my experience. Not I was able to fill in those gaps, but I had to fill in those gaps. Okay. Yeah. See, I, I, I just think that was intentional on Bogdanovich's part. Yeah, I think he, maybe. I think he kind of, I mean, maybe it's kind of lazy. Maybe it's kind of pretentious, but I think he meant to do that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's that's the thing. Like that, That's one of the things I kind of made a note about and that I mentioned before where it was like, there, there are so many, all of the biggest scenes are missing or seen from a distance, you know, like, the kids leave and go to Mexico and that's when Sam the lion dies. And, and part of it is, it feels to me like it is, again, it's the point of the movie. It's like, you're missing some of these big moments and it's more about like focusing on how we react to it. it and, but, but it's not um, even that like that. I'm fine with, I'm fine with not seeing what happened to them in Mexico. I'm fine with that. I'm fine with not seeing Sam die. Like I'm fine with those pieces. A better example of where for me, it's like, it feels like, and, and again, maybe it's just the window dressing, but for me, where some of it feels like there's something lacking, the opening scene with how much they talk about football, and it's like that. Gives and you never you, see a football game. That gives you a very strong sense of the town. I, I don't, love it. Well, you you see part of a football game when um when Sunny. Well, yeah, when Sunny is then there, and that other guy's like, oh yeah, y'all were terrible, you know, way back in your day. How long ago was that? Last year. Like I, I do love Which that. Which again goes to show, like, oh, it feels like so long ago. No, nope, it was last year. Right. Uh, so you do get a little bit of a game, but it's not even the game. Like, I don't care whether or not they had ever shown a part of a football game. Aside from that opening scene where people are talking about it, I don't like. After that scene, I forget about how important football is in that town because, like, there's not some of that filler of. It, it, it's it's just missing that does that make sense where mm-hmm. like, it, it doesn't matter it doesn't matter that they don't have you know whatever like signs for their football games or that there's not anything filling in that world because the important stuff is there and again that opening scene where they're talking about football is there and it's great and i love it and then you get that payoff where it's just like, yeah, y'all were terrible. How long ago was that? A year ago. Giving you that sense of time. All of those things are there. But between that opening scene and and that uh, one scene at the football game, nothing. Like, th- there's no other, like, anything filling in that world. And if those yeah. two scenes had been cut, it wouldn't make a difference. And, and it, like, it's some of that stuff where where I feel like there's just something missing in the world. It doesn't feel as fully lived in. And again, that's fine. 
it's not something to really knock the movie that hard for. That's just where some of my like, I, it's, it's a great movie. It's fine. It's it, it, fine. It's awesome. Top one hundred. I, I maybe. Uh, I don't. That's that's just where I, have, I am. I have like so many other things I want to talk about. <laughs> oh my god. Um. All right. I, I one thing I'm gonna mention at, at the very least is I, I'm I find it interesting the parallels that this movie has to the old west. Um. Like within the picture show itself um you know most of what they're playing are westerns and what's what's really interesting is it feels like it's trying to connect the past to the present in a certain way because you know you're getting the idea that like like this is texas this is where all westerns are set essentially and ben johnson is someone who was you know a start off as a stuntman working for john ford and he is very much that person who is that link to the past and i find it really interesting the way that like it kind of shows you how everything has become more modern but also hasn't really changed that much to a certain extent like this place still kind of feels like the wild west to a certain extent where like it's still very much like isolated and kind of lawless and even like one of the things that you you'd brought up at least in the notes i don't know if you said it out loud is you said that you find the uh, joe bob subplot to be kind of pointless but i wholeheartedly disagree because it shows you that this like what happens is whenever it, Essentially, Joe Bob is like the preacher's son who talks about how if you want to live forever, if you want to be immortal, you got to get right with the Lord. And then later on, he kidnaps a little girl and takes her off. And when they go tell the sheriff, the first thing the sheriff does is he rounds up a posse. He's yeah. like, come on, boys, we got to go get this guy. And there's no there's no true sense of like justice to this situation. You know what I mean? Like they just kind of go get him. And then the woman goes and beats him up and they say that he didn't do anything. But then they also say that, like, apparently he got the little girl out of her underwear. <laughs> and it's all just very like it very much feels like outlaw kind of justice. Like they just pick him up and they go throw him in the jail. And then people are just debating whether or not he did anything. Yeah, um, But if that scene wasn't kinda... in the movie, you wouldn't feel like it was lacking. Like it, it, it was pointless because there's no connection with joe bob because like you don't get any of that other character development and you know part of that part of it is like just the hypocrisy of religion to a certain extent like yeah you gotta live a good life and he's he's more suppressed than anybody else to a certain extent like he's not going he's probably not going out and necking with the girls uh, at the well i was gonna say at the drive-in there's no drive-in but religion also doesn't play that big of a role in the movie so i'm not saying that it's i'm not saying that what was done with the scene wasn't done well it was just pointless and and some of that is because you know it's in kind a of book, it's more, well, more it's, about like the the political dynamics of the town and again kind of trying to get sure i mean just exactly what i just said sure but like i feel like it also could have been done in a way with characters that you were a little bit more invested in in a way that it actually mattered a little bit more <laughs> or and and again being based off of a book um you know I, I assume that in the book, Joe Bob had a lot more going on and you actually did get some of that. And so some of that's just what gets lost in translation yeah. from uh, from book to movie. I mean, part of it is it's just like this is the this is the darker side of of the small town. Like this guy is a pedophile. Yeah, but, but I feel like yeah. you get enough of the dark side with um, uh, what's his name? It's not all it's not all uh, it's not all statutory rape. It's yeah. uh, it gets well, <laughs> gets a, lot, a little bit worse purposeful scene it's just not a uh, 
it's, it's purposeful, purposeful but, but it pointless. doesn't really stick around with you it's not it, it doesn't weigh on you yeah you can almost forget it as soon as it happens but it does have purpose it's just not going to stick with you yeah as opposed to the scene where jc does go with the, the what's his name uh the randy quaid no the roughnecker <laughs> the, the the one who was getting with his mom or with her mom uh when he takes her to the pool hall clue gulliger clue gulliger yeah yeah like that scene i feel like gets at the same issue but in a way that you care more about like you don't need that much about clues character to know that much because he is there in relation to jc and her mom I think and, that's a total. That has a totally different purpose. Like that's more about like I don't taking know. the power dynamic away from. Like this is the only moment in the movie where JC has. She's trying to use her sexuality again. Like she's she's trying to weaponize it again, and she's trying to get. Yeah, what she wants because she's bored. She's home alone. But watching he TV also and this dude comes in. So he also like, oh, shows cool. up, and he's like, "Hey, is your mom here? No, cool. You want to bang? Like, like." And then and then she yeah. tries to like talk to him afterward, and he's like get out i don't want to talk to you. i'm not going to talk yeah. to you about this this it, never happened and it shows like it scene. yeah it's meeting his needs not hers and that's the first time that to her that's happened in the whole film right, right. but, but that that's had any power in the situation but Very that's why purpose. the scene matters and why that scene sticks with you like it's doing the same thing of like getting at some of those sexual dynamics in town and getting some of the um you, you know like jc earlier on when her mom says you know you should have sex and she's like oh that's not me i would never have sex blah 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 and then her entire journey is just having sex like you get a lot of that hypocrisy you get all of those other themes that you get from joe bob's scene but in a way that they matter because of the other contextual pieces about like how she was trying to take power away from him, but then he's taking power away from her. But you get that because you've also seen her journey and you like, again, I'm not saying that the Joe Bob scene didn't have an impact. I'm just saying that overall it was pointless and could have been done in another way. And again, also I was just tired and it's like, oh my god, do I really need to see this? Hurry up! I want to go to sleep. So that that well, was also it, uh, happening. It's interesting too because the only reason she has sex at first in the movie is because the one one guy that she kind of wanted to wouldn't, wouldn't because yeah. it was her. She, so she was like, keeping her oh shit! Stuff I and, have yeah. to in order to get this dude. And, and then she never even goes to get him, you know, like it never, yeah. it never does anything. But, but I think the point well, is that he gets married before. It could even oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. He gets married. That's what it is. Yeah. But again, so much of her journey is just about her trying to have agency over herself. It's anytime she can't get something she wants. She's like, okay, I'm going to figure out a way to get it. And if she can't get it with, uh, you know, the rich dude at Randy Quaid's house for whatever reason, uh she's gonna get it from Dwayne, and if she can't when she gets bored with Dwayne, she'll toss him to the side and she'll go get it with sunny and she realizes she's sowing that conflict and it makes her feel wanted and and ultimately i think that's what this movie is about i think this movie is just so much about people just desperate for some kind of connection to anything yeah and it's, damn it why isn't randy quaid a viable option <laughs> there's a number of reasons i don't know though randy quaid's got a the way that he like that scene wherever he's uh inviting her to the pool party or whatever yeah. and then jeff bridges is gonna beat him up and then he just like runs off with her like hey, hey. like yeah. i got her you don't it's well, so funny like even with with sunny like 
when he takes his girlfriend at the very beginning to the movie and he buys her a stick of gum which i think is just funny that it's like what i bought you a stick of gum here do you want another one for your anniversary (laughs) yeah but no like when they go to the back of the theater so that they can make out a little bit like she's trying to kiss him and he's just watching the movie first off i thought that was hilarious totally totally relate (laughs) (laughs) but but also like it tells you immediately that he doesn't care about her he's so much more invested in a movie than about any sort of connection with her and then the rest of his journey is just trying to find someone who's hotter trying to find someone who is going to keep his attention more than a movie the picture show is is an escape the picture show is more it's funny that i keep saying picture show because i would never say that if the movie wasn't called the last picture show but like the movie (laughs) is his escape it is his only it's it's like the only window to another world and he can you know neck with her whenever i love saying neck it's so funny um so yeah i I think that's part and also part of it too is jc catches his eye it's it's oh she's truly the one that i want yeah um but yeah i don't know man this movie i really love this movie i um what else there was one other thing that i wanted to mention the only real thing i want to talk about last is uh, billy as a character played by sam bottoms who's timothy bottoms brother Mm. i i love he's kind of like obviously like the heart and soul of the movie like i love just the very um the very simple action of like everybody coming up to him and just flipping his hat around like that's just so sweet and relatable and it's one of those things that even though you know a lot of these characters are kind of shitty to one another or whatever like you still get the sense that they're good people and they really just again want to be good to one another want to have connections with one another and and i love the the irony of the fact that billy is always smiling but has nothing to smile about and he is he is just like this one so- one bright spot in the town and the source of joy and i think my favorite image of the entire film is actually right at the beginning whenever um when sunny is getting in his pickup truck and he's driving down the road and you see billy sweeping he's sweeping the road in the middle of a dust storm yeah and like that like whenever i saw that it immediately it immediately made me think of the like rage against the dying of the light it's like what he is doing is pointless but it's his job and god damn it he's gonna do it because that's what he needs to do like doesn't matter if he's gonna sweep that road or not that's what he's gonna do and even if it kills him which it does and and man that scene where he gets hit by the truck is so heartbreaking and and it kind of bugs me that timothy bottoms wasn't the one nominated instead of Jeff Bridges. That feels <laughs> I thought you were like, going to say that, that he like wasn't giving... the one hit by the truck. <laughs> well, 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 no, no. <laughs> no. Um, but like Timothy Bottoms is so good because his his performance is so physical. It almost feels like we're giving Jeff Bridges the... I mean, Jeff Bridges is great in this movie. Don't get me wrong. But it feels like, oh, we're going to give the charming dude the award just like he gets the trophy girlfriend or whatever because he's the jock. But But Timothy Bottoms is so good in that scene where he's running out and he's just he can't quite comprehend what's happening and he's listening to these men justify this horrible thing that's happened like they are literally being like oh look they're treating him like he's a literally a piece of roadkill i mean yeah. she is but like <laughs> treating him like he's just some animal that they hit on the side of the road and like oh you know look it was so dusty there's no way you could see that damn fool kid out there like oh yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't it's your fault that you hit him yeah yeah, it's nobody's fault. And then, like, and it's one of the only moments where Sonny actually kind of, like, finally breaks out of his show a little bit. And he's, I, what is it that he says? I can't remember. He's just like, um, 
God damn it. I'm so bad at this. Anyway, he likes he just he chastises them like, are you fucking kidding me? This is a human being. Yeah. And he picks him up and then he tries to leave. And like just that moment of him like leaving, he's like, I've got to get out of this hellhole. But again, this town just has its own gravitational pull. He realizes as he's leaving, he just he can't. He has no other prospects anywhere. And just like the moment of him slowly pulling his foot off the gas is so heartbreaking and just beautiful and perfect. And yeah. Yeah. So that was the only other thing I wanted to get at. Yeah. I think that you were going to love one of my pairings then. Um, yeah. No, this, this is an incredibly solid movie. All of the themes that um, all of the themes that we've talked about are absolutely present. They are absolutely there. Uh, this film definitely succeeds in giving you the experience of just being sad but like real world sad you know not like a we're going to do our best to like to really pull on those heartstrings more of just like a this is life and this is not just small town life yes it's set in small town and we spent a (laughs) fairly sizable chunk of time talking about our connections with the small town but like the things that are encountered sorry go ahead there's I was just saying, there's part of the movie that does feel kind of hopeful to me. Like, it's so sad and so bleak, but they're just, but they keep moving on and they keep living life as best they can. And they still keep finding connections with one another, even if they're kind of fucked up. Like, even with, with Dwayne and Dwayne and Sonny, like, they have this horrible fight where Dwayne almost blinds him. And then at the end, they still, like, still friends. Yeah. Okay, cool. Like, they, <laughs> I don't know. There's just still, there's something that is kind of hopeful about that, where it's like, we can beat the shit out of each other and betray one another but ultimately we're still all that we have and we're going to do the best we can and connect with one oh my god we didn't even talk about fucking eileen brennan as genevieve <laughs> in the diner she is she's so great. Oh my, she's like my favorite character in the movie she's so awesome and also just another like perfect like small town like she's gonna be making cheeseburgers for their grandkids because she's got thousands of dollars in medical bills and and it's just so sad, but she's also just such a bright spot. And like the, she's like the the matriarch to Sam the Lion's patriarch, and anyway. also the one who doesn't get involved in like the sexual. Yeah, it's like every, I fully expected her the first time I saw this that she would hook up with one of the young guys. Yeah, never, never does at least on screen anyway. You know. <laughs> well, but like to me, it came across pretty clear that Sonny wanted to get with her. Like that when oh, yeah. he went over there for the cheeseburger, and then uh, when Sam so Sam shows up and he's like, "I gotta go," <laughs> like to me it was just like, <laughs> "All right, yeah, you just got caught trying to bang the waitress." Like, not well, cool, dude. Yeah, yeah. No, this th- this is an incredibly solid movie. Um, it I I do think that it is cinema, like Dan said towards the beginning. Like this, this is a solid film, and it needs to be seen, and it's got amazing themes. I feel like there's something lacking. That is amazing my own performances. Amazing performances. I feel like there's something lacking, but that was my own personal reaction to it. Um, but but aside from that, like it is, it's 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 great. Absolutely love this movie. I think more people need to uh, need to see it. All right, let's do uh, our pairings, and then um. For for our extra bits at the end, I had a beginning, middle, and end, but I think that we will, um, I, I think that we'll do your birthday present as the ending bit of this episode. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Almost forgot about that. Yes, let's do that. All right, so um, 
Eric, I guess we'll start with you since it's your mm-hmm. birthday month. Um, how are we watchable and what are your recommendations slash pairings for the last picture show? I actually feel like this movie probably is better if it's not rewatched all the time. Um, mm-hmm. It is the kind of movie that I feel like kind of benefits from putting some space in between it and then rewatching it when you've kind of forgotten about it and you can fall in love with this these people all over again and also kind of hate them and also but also understand why they do what they do and and yeah and i think it works best too because like it's the kind of movie that when i watch it it makes me want to watch it all over again for the first time and that's kind of how it felt the second time (laughs) um i don't know where i'm going with this i i think it's i think it's really rewatchable if you're in the right mood um but it's the kind of movie that i feel like like most of these types of movies that are considered like great works of art, I think they're better when they are savored whenever you are in the right headspace and you can kick back and actually pay attention to it and not necessarily watch it over and over again. Um, this is tough. I really, I I'm not kidding. I did not, this month has been so busy. I didn't think about any pairings at all. <laughs> I will say I really wanted to watch Texasville. Like, even though it's probably not very good, I'm still fascinated by the fact that there is a sequel to this movie, and I have no idea what that movie looks like. Um, so I would really, really love to see that. Um, I did also really want to watch Red River because I'd never seen it. Uh, I love John Ford. I mean, I'm a huge fan of, of his films, and I wanted to watch Red River to actually see the last picture show, um, mm-hmm. but didn't get around to it. Well, you, so, yeah, I, you, you can do this for uh, your pairings. Um, when I give mine, you can say which of them you think would be the most interesting triple feature. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right, Dan, what about you? Uh, how rewatchable uh, and recommendations? It's like, like Eric said, it's, it's a rewatchable film. I'm not going to rewatch it anytime soon. This is one of those, you know, academic checklist films that you just you refamiliarize yourself with it every once in a while. Mm. Um, it's not a oh hey, I've got a couple, I've got two hours to spare. What am I going to throw in? It's not going to be the last picture show, but I will enjoy this every time I watch it. Um, as for pairings, if we're going to go with the Larry McMurtry film, then we need to pair it with a Cormac McCarthy film. Oh, that's good. Yeah. And instead of the usual suspects for Cormac McCarthy films, I'm going to go with uh, the underseen Billy Bob Thornton's adaptation of All the Pretty Horses. Mm. Mm. Not seen that one. Oh, that's, yeah. Mm. <laughs> I haven't seen uh, it either, actually. Un- unfortunately, we will never see the four hour cut that Billy Bob <laughs> directed um, because. Uh, just get the um, Snyder I, I believe on he it. did have some cho- choice words for the Weinsteins on his way out the editing door <laughs> um, and, and never directed again for them. Uh, and I think only maybe one thing since then, which is too bad because I've, you know he's a fairly good director. And All the Pretty Horses is a good film. It's, it's young men in Mexico trying to find their way and things not going well for them. Um, oh, it's got Sam Shepard in it. Yeah, yeah. Matt Damon. Um Henry Thomas, uh, Penelope Cruz, I think, is, is, is the woman in there. Um, and then for the second recommendation, I'm going to go with another BBS feature uh, that has some very, very similar themes of just 
you know, life feeling kind of aimless and mediocre. And that's uh, Bob Rafelson's Five Easy Pieces. Yeah, I haven't seen that either. I need to. We are bad movie fans, Eric. I know, I know, man. It's another one of those films that, yeah, you're you're checking it off of the list because it's it's an important film and it does have one of the greater greatest restaurant scenes you'll ever see when uh, Jack Nicholson goes in and orders a particular sandwich. Um, it's you could probably YouTube just that scene alone and see if you'll want to watch the rest of the movie. But it's about uh, he's a very talented piano player comes from a an upper class family but works on an oil rig because he just doesn't want the pressures of life so he works meaning you know meaningless jobs spends all his time in motels and bars and just you know is just kind of coasting through life and then i mean i don't want to say like oh a big change comes about because that's not really what the film's about it's it's just you know what what he does to get by um highly recommend that film though highly recommend it's actually um criterion issued a box set of all the of all, a couple of the bbs films and this was another one in that along with like the king of marvin gardens mm-hmm. uh the monkeys film head which doesn't really fit thematically with the rest <laughs> of that set. but yeah it's it's a good set <clears throat> But five easy pieces is well worth finding. I can't with my pairing. Early seventies Jack Nicholson is always worth watching. Oh, oh yeah, absolutely. Yes, Eric. What's All your right, pairing? My two picks. Uh, my pairings are Carol, the Todd Haynes film with Rooney Mara and oh. um, Kate Blanchett, um, because those are that is also a film that is about longing and uh, extramarital relationships. Uh, it is a beautiful film. It's also set in the 1950s. Um, it is so good. Um, it is the kind of movie that is so just, yeah, I don't have the words for it because it's midnight right now and I'm <laughs> literally sweating my ass off in my basement right now. But it's a fantastic movie and I think that it would pair thematically very well. Um, yeah, so I'm gonna go with that. All right. So for my rewatchability, uh, I'm I'm very much along the same lines of both of you. Of like, it is an incredible movie that I don't think that I'm ever going to watch it and not feel that same level of uh, of emotional connection that I felt when watching it. But it also is not gonna be one that I, I really reach for all that often. Like, if I don't watch it again for another three to five years, I don't think that I'm gonna be sad. Um, however. This is absolutely a movie. What? I was going to say, if you want to be sad, then you'll reach for it. (laughs) Yes. If I want to, there's so many other movies that could make me sadder though. Uh, Yeah. If I don't watch this again for another five years, I don't think that I'm going to be upset about it. However, I am also very, very glad that I have this in my collection and can watch it whenever I want. So it's one of those movies where it's like, it's not that rewatchable. I, I'm I'm probably going to go a few years However, it's really a bad thing. Uh, that's not always a bad thing. However, <laughs> uh, I do also absolutely recommend that people buy it and own it so that they can watch it whenever they want. All right. So for my pairings, um, all of these are going to be a triple features. So uh, so you have to pick from from each of these pairings. You, you can't separate them. And Dan okay. and Eric, uh, y- you can let me know which of the pairings sounds 
<laughs> sounds like the best pairing to go with last picture show. So American graffiti and the graduate American pie and grapes of wrath. Porkies and rebel without a cause. American beauty and Friday night lights. Man. Do the right thing and boys in the hood. Dang, you've got a lot of these. Mash and Dazed and Confused. Or Breakfast Club and Deer Hunter. <laughs> um shit. Uh, uh American Beauty is a good choice. I still really love that's that's like that's like gateway uh pretentious movie for me. Oh, it's it's totally a pretentious <laughs> movie. So probably he, be kind of hard to watch now but so uh, as you're well yes for very obvious reason so as you're trying to think about which of those makes for the best pairing i don't remember what they are my reasoning for all of them uh here i'll, I'll put them in the notes so that you can actually see what all of them are uh my reasoning for all of the uh for all of these pairings um basically comes from the fact that for me the last picture show it's it is a it's a coming of age meets a like midlife crisis existential what's going to happen which like i i always it's, find it fascinating I, I deliberately wanted to avoid movies about old people and about young people see, and, and so and i directly went to show i just had to meet in the middle <laughs> literally well yeah and but like that's the thing is so much of this movie is very much a coming of age movie of you know like the the crises that you experience as you are trying to become an adult and trying to make those decisions that that are going to establish who you are for the rest of your life but then yeah it's also the end of that of dealing with the consequences of the decisions that you made exactly, which typically yeah. started when you were young which again it's part of what makes this movie so amazing and so great. And the young people are always looking ahead and the older people are always looking back. Right. And even though the lack of sense of time bothers me, yeah, probably intentional for that very reason of it constantly feels stuck in and all this other stuff. Uh, so yeah, um, of, of all of those pairings, which ones do you want to go with? And uh, my part of my reasoning for do the right thing was um for one just like having that central location but also that's a pretty good one because it's like good like do the right thing has such a is so evocative in terms of the place with bedsty there and last picture show does the same thing with texas but yep. with white people it, it also people. Uh, has a very similar um boiling point towards the end that's true yeah. yep. all right of of those pairings eric which one What was the one you had with american graffiti graduate right, Graduate. Oh, and the graduate. Ooh, that's yeah. a good... that's that's the one I'm going with. That's kind of what I'm thinking. I like the. Uh, I've never seen Porky, so I don't know about that. Um, <laughs> Rebel without a cause is a good one. F this is this is hard. I'm gonna go. I'm. I want to do something different from Dan, though. <laughs> <laughs> well, here I'll uh, yeah, when it's the right choice. It's the right choice. That's true. Yeah. I'll, I'll tell you my pick to make so it even well more difficult for you. My pick is American Pie and Grapes of Wrath. Because it is so coming of age and so sex driven and so awkward and then so life Dusty. sucks and everything is dirt. Is so bleak. It's yeah. also John Ford. Ooh, that's a good one. Yeah, because John Ford is is very heavily 
influential. Uh, you can't make me pick. I'm not doing it. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. So last thing. For American this... Graffiti. I, all right. I'm picking the same thing as Dan. I'm just going to follow Dan's lead. All right. Totally good. Last thing of this episode. So uh, we mentioned in the previous episode that I bought Eric a, uh, a birthday present, um, which was yes. the Die Hard Blu-ray. And yes, have it right here. <laughs> I gave, For everyone I gave listening to... out there, you can see here's here's my Die Hard Blu-ray that you can see in your ears. <laughs> I gave it to you I, at this point close to a month ago. And That's I, a while. I wasn't going to say anything at all. Um, for one, I wanted you to prove my point that you weren't going to watch it until Christmas because Die Hard is a Christmas movie. However, That's pretty brilliant, actually. However, for reasons that I will explain in just a second, it felt appropriate to uh to 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 have you open this. So, Eric, happy birthday! I want you to go ahead and open this movie. Nathan, is this going to be? <laughs> It's going to be a copy of White House Down. <laughs> of course it is. Okay, also is... Okay, let me just say that the inside of my Die Hard Blu-ray is White House Down, but it is not a Blu-ray copy of White House Down. It is a DVD copy of White House Down. I'm impressed and offended at the same time. So... Oh, man. I- the reason wow. the reason that I had to say something and was really hoping that you were going to open it during the Truman Show was, you know, it just fit in so perfectly with everything that you think life is on the outside is uh, <laughs> not what is actually truly happening on the inside. Sure. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that fits with any of these existential <laughs> movies, I feel like. Oh, God. Oh, man. This is good stuff. Guys, I am I, tired. I am also very excited for our next episode. I so, so very much wanted you to not open that until Christmas. And I, like, I'm partially regretting even saying anything because I, I wanted to get a text sometime around December 18th that just said, God damn it, Nathan. Like, <laughs> that's... Yeah, that would have been... <laughs> that would have been good. You did ruin it, but I... You know, I mean, at least we got to do it live on the air. Exactly. So uh, and and Eric, I do actually have the Blu-ray for you. It's been sitting uh-huh, in my okay. office since the day that I handed it to you. I had it ready because if you had <laughs> opened it up, I would have been like, ha ha, just f-ing with you. Here you go. Um, so, yes, it is. It is waiting for you. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. I didn't, didn't even cross. My, I tr- I'm too trusting. I'm, I'm too trusting of a person, Nathan. <laughs> good. Oh, good. man. All right. Uh, Dan, where do you want people to find you? Uh, you can find me over at my blog, uh, hbo2forrontroad.com, and on Twitter at the same. And Eric is drinking water. <laughs> <laughs> How's your meal, sir? Is everything all right? Nathan. <laughs> Yes. You have to skip me. <laughs> you can find Eric. <laughs> you can find Eric. Oh my at God. White House Down. Wouldn't uh, it be amazing if for our existential episode, existential, Eric's existentialism, I just died on like live on the air, choking on water? <laughs> Dying on one of the most oh, life giving uh, nutrients there is. Yep. That would be. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yep. 
<clears throat> okay, I'm ready. Uh, I'm on Twitter at the Chimerican, which is T H E C H I M E R I C A N. I'm also on Instagram at Chimerican Reviews and on Letterboxd at Eric J A Y. And you can follow me slash the podcast on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd at Video Monster Pod. Uh, you can also follow me personally on Letterboxd at The Gargoyle. That's G-A-R-G-Y-L-E because it is a gargoyle wearing an Argyle sweater. And if you enjoyed this episode uh, and want to keep coming back for more, just be sure to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Just do a search for Video Monsters. And do be sure to keep coming back. We are going to hopefully have another one of the Existentialism movies uh, before the end of the month better i saved the one i wanted to do most for last (laughs) that's just foolish thinking (laughs) uh and then after that we are going to jump straight into our uh our horror not just our horror because everything that we do is horror jump straight into our halloween coverage because for us halloween very much starts at the beginning of september runs for at least two months long and generally bleeds over a little bit into uh christmas and uh yeah then we just watch christmas horror movies and by we, of course, I mean me. Uh, I, I don't know what Eric does. Um, he's going to watch Die Hard. I know that much because it's a Christmas movie. Anywho, if you want to keep coming back for that, just, uh, again, be sure to like, like and subscribe. Uh, and also, we are going to start doing um, live podcasts. We are going to hopefully cut down on the overall runtime of, uh, of some of these fuller reviews. But we are going to... Um, we're going to give it a shot. Going to do some live podcasting each week. The current plan is for Tuesday nights, uh, but we will have that posted um, in Facebook and all of the other socials that we just told you about. So be sure to follow us, and um, and that's going to be hosted through Discord. So be sure to, uh, to join our server there. Join in with the chat and listen along and laugh along with us as um, we sometimes have very foolhardy views on movies. All right. That's been it for this episode of Video Monsters. I'm Nathan. And I'm Eric. And I'm Dan. And remember, kids... um, Could have been worse. Last question of the night. If you owned a theater and the theater was shutting down... Would you play the last picture show as your last picture show? Ooh, that's a good question. I would be very tempted to do that. I'd, I'd play Titanic. I'm going with Titanic. Because <laughs> if the, if the going down on that going sinking down, ship. the ship's going down, <laughs> the theater I'm will pl- go down with the ship. I'm playing This is the End. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You could do uh, Apocalypse Now. <clears throat> that'd be good um i would probably go with evil dead 2 yeah, i mean evil dead 2 is is always is always on the table yep yeah always and, on the table and in the basement <laughs> and in the woods and yep other mm-hmm. places yep yep oh.